chapter 20, three verses actually tonight, Exodus chapter 20, three verses. We've been journeying through Exodus. We've sort of parked in chapter 20 for a bit. Perhaps the most important for civilization, perhaps the most important of ten things for people to know, to follow, for to have a successful civilization. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. By the way, that settles once and for all, all you're thinking about anything else. For in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. May the Lord's blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, next few moments. Lord, I, I pray that I don't get on some personal soapbox. That's not my plan. My plan is to share the wonderful news of your word and this challenge that we can make the rest day the best day. And so, Lord, may that be our heart's cry. May we follow your word. May we learn together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's interesting. I was just thinking just now how, how the Sabbath or how the Lord's Day Sunday has changed in my lifetime. Think about the, the blue laws we used to have. We had where every, almost everyone respected. I remember in high school, we never played anything on Sunday. We never played Wednesday nights. We didn't even have practice often on Wednesday nights. Maybe if it got done by 5 o'clock. It's just life has changed, and, not, and most of it not for the good here in all America. The Bible is still clear. I like what Tozier said a long time ago. God has not bowed to our nervous haste nor embraced the methods, methods of our machine age. What would he say today? The man who would know God must give time to him. Another person said, the management of time is the management of self. Therefore, if you manage time for God, he will begin to manage you. I tell you, there is no shortcut to having a walk with God. There is no shortcut to spiritual maturity. There is no shortcut to being a good pianist when... However level it is, if you want to become a good saxophone player, pianist, violin player, shooter, if you want to become an excellent marksman, you just can't go out there in the woods and say, okay, I'm going to be an excellent marksman today here. That's not going to work. Spirit, far more important than being all those things which are good things to be, is that we must be spiritually mature, and there's no shortcuts. If you're going to to become like God, you've you've got to spend time with him. In this day, we're supposed to have so many device-saving time, time-saving devices. I'm sorry, time-saving devices. I tell you, I'm busier than ever, and yet I've got all these time-saving devices. You're trying to do too much would be your answer, and you're probably right. There was one man. He was so nervous. He swallowed a whole egg, egg hole. He was afraid to move because it would break, and afraid to sit still, afraid it would hatch. And that's how we are sometimes. <laughs> So many today are so frantic and we're pressured and we don't know which way to go. And they seem to be driving in front of me often. There used to be a time when a man would come home, take his hat off, hang it up and say, boy, it's a jungle out there. Now he comes on, puts his hat on at home and says, wow, it's a jungle in here. I'm going to go back to work. Where's baseball? Homes in America. Have you not seen how we have deteriorated we have? So now, by the way, I'm borrowing this from the book uh, Ten, successful, Ten Secrets for a Successful Family by the late Adrian Rogers. And it, it, he has some really good thoughts. 
First of all, there's God's cure for restlessness. God has given us a cure for this restless age there at home. Our commandment is very clear for us. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's what we're to do. It should be a, the rest day should be the best day. Now, the Sabbath day was God's gift given to his first ancient people there, Israel, you well know, Mark 2. And he said unto them, the Sabbath day was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So God gave the Israelites a Sabbath day. And remember, the Ten Commandments are to help us. Don't hurt yourself. Thou shalt not help thyself to happiness. As a Christian family, we've been given a special day of rest. If we could regain that, I I don't know. I look at our country and I thought, can can we bring it, can it be stopped and brought back to heal? I, I don't know. But we can, as individuals, as homes, make this day a special day. Perhaps all of you do already. Put God first. You're here on Sunday night. I'm guessing you want to make this day a special. It's one of God's greatest, richest jewels for us. Now, Sabbath, our English word is simply a transliteration of Shabbat. Hebrew Shabbat, Sabbath. Like baptizo has become baptized. So what it means is rest. It doesn't mean Saturday. It doesn't mean the seventh day. What the word actually means is a rest day. So now there's three kinds of rest in the scripture. First of all, there's creation rest. And to that, if you'll turn over just a moment to Genesis chapter 2, God has finished creating everything in six literal 24-hour days, I believe. If you want to be just as what scripture says, take it for what it says. It's 24 literal uh, solar days. Six 24-hour solar days to one of Genesis. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And all the host of them, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. Now, was God tired? Is that why he rested? No. The Bible says in Isaiah, the creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. Neither is weary. There's no searching his understanding. He rested for the same reason we would rest in music. Now, very rarely, now sometimes if you're a trumpet player or a French horn player or a tuba player, your lips get really and you, and you want to take a break sometimes just for a few moments to get your lips back in shape. But typically, rest is for effect. We want to, we want to hear the flutes. So trumpets, just tune down a little bit there, tone it down. Tuba, quit playing altogether. We want to hear the flutes, or we want to hear the violin. So back off, brass, so we can hear it. And so, matter of fact, we see it in the Psalms. The word is what? Selah. There, like there. What do you think of that? That's what John Phillips calls it. But it's, it's a restful period. What have you just played? Think about that. Meditate on it. So did the creation stay the way that God designed it? No. From chapter 3 of Genesis, you know that man fell into sin, etc. And so now Christ has come, and the, the Pharisees asked Jesus, why are you healing on the Sabbath day? And he says in John 5, 17, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. So until sin is fully banished, there is work yet to do, creation rest. The second rest is covenant rest. And stay back. To, go back to Exodus 31 now, verse 13, 16, and 17. Exodus 31, covenant rest. He gave a special covenant, and it's important for you to understand, us to understand, it was for Israel, this, this Sabbath rest, specifically on Saturday, if you would, 31, 13 of Exodus 31, 13, speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath ye shall keep, for it is signed between me and you. 
throughout all your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that thus sanctify you. 16, wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Notice it was given to the Jews a sign of a covenant between the children of God and, and God. Children of Israel and God. Some people claim today, well, we're just going to worship and we're going to do just like the Israelites in the Bible and we're going to observe the Sabbath day. Matter of fact, I read this week that according to Korah, one man said that 150 religious groups worship on Saturday. 150. Now, they're not all churches. The biggest one we know, of course, is the Seventh-day Adventists, or the groups that follow them. They worship on Saturday instead of on Sunday. They are supposedly now keeping Hebrew Roots Movement, I think, probably also worships on Saturday. And the, uh, the, I think it's black Israelites also worship on Saturday, possibly. The, the uh, Hebrew Israelites, I can't remember exact, their exact name, but I think they worship on Saturday as well, trying to keep the law. God said, now remember, Israel is under theocracy. God is directly over them six days may work be done but on the seventh the sabbath is a rest holy to the lord etc now the old testament penalty do you remember what the, it was penalty for breaking the sabbath i don't think chop, i don't think it chopped the private stones you to death here's what you could not do if you're following the sabbath as it was in the bible you couldn't start your car on sunday because you were causing a fire you couldn't flick the light switch because you would start a fire in an incandescent bulb you could, when it's cold, you'd be careful to turn your thermostat because that's a fire in a furnace. If you committed a crime, any of these crimes, you were worthy of death. In the Bible times, God's standard for the Sabbath day proved to just be the starting point. There are 39 words in the Hebrew text for the fourth commandment. So the Jews added to the word of God 39 ways to break the Sabbath. But that was just the beginning. Then they found 39 of each of those 39. So they ended up with 1,521 ways. To break the Sabbath. 1,521. So that was to keep them from sinning per se. Examples like if you had a tack in your sandal, you better take it out on Friday because after sunset, it's a burden. You were carrying a burden in your sandal if you had a tack. If you got bit by a flea, you better find him on Friday because you can't go hunting for him on Saturday. If you put vinegar in your mouth and swallow it on the Sabbath, you can do that because it's all right to eat. But don't hold the vinegar in your mouth too long because then if you have a toothache, they might think you're trying to, to heal on the Sabbath day. They got to the point they wouldn't even eat an egg that was laid on Saturday. That's how bad it was. Matter of fact, even further on, we find that a woman was forbidden to look in a mirror on the Sabbath lest she see a gray hair and pluck it out from its shearing. Work to do. You could dip a radish in salt on the Sabbath, but if you did so, you had to eat it quick because if you did not, it would begin to pickle. And that would be work on the Sabbath if your radish pickled. No food could be cooked on the Sabbath. In fact, the coals had to be removed from the oven preceding the Sabbath, lest one confront the temptation to prepare a hot meal. One class of work which was forbidden was the carrying of a burden that was a burden, well, they conceded that a man could lift his child on the Sabbath, but not if his child had a stone in the pocket, because then he would be indeed lifting a burden. The Essenes were very conservative sect of Jews, and they lived on the desert and wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls, etc. They would not go to the bathroom on the Sabbath. To them, even the call of nature was unlawful on this day. On the Sabbath, it was forbidden to, to, to go to tie a knot. 
to light a fire, to move a lamp, to go on a journey longer than three quarters of a mile. Even hearing was for, even healing, I'm sorry, was forbidden. In fact, if someone got ill or injured, steps could be taken to keep the man from getting worse, but it was not permitted to do something that would cure him or make him better. All those things, part of the Sabbath. So you wonder why they said, you don't keep the Sabbath, Jesus. Well, there's 1,500 and some odd 21 ways that I could break. It was man-made rules. God came to fulfill the law, not the cancel. He came to fulfill it. All these minute details, that's why they called him a Sabbath breaker. It didn't matter that Jesus was going around healing people. You're just not following all of our rules. I wonder if they were following all the rules. Can you imagine? If you had a stone in your pocket, you picked up your child all accidentally. I just broke. Am I going to be killed? See how far we'd go? Remember, Jesus said, Thus you have made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. You, see, the Sabbath was made for man to have the rest day as the best day. So there was creation rest, there's covenant rest, and then for us, there is Calvary rest. This applies to you and me. The third rest is that. It's the fulfillment of the Sabbath for us. It's how the fourth commandment applies to the church today, I believe. The Old Testament Sabbath pointed to something much more wonderful, and now we have it in the person of Christ who died for us. When did God rest? After creation. When did Jesus rest? After his new creation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He did not come to earth to rest. I must work the works of him that sent me while in his day, John 9, 4. Jesus came to earth to complete the work of redemption. And when he was done on the cross, he bowed his head. We said it this morning, it is finished. That work is done. By this, Hebrews says, 10, 12, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. In the temple, interestingly enough, there was no place for the priest to sit. He had to be on his feet or doing something the entire time. Jesus, when he was done, is seated now at the Father's right hand. When you are done with your work, then you get to sit down and rest. He's done. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, this was, which was contrary to us, and took it out of his way, nailing it to his cross. If you were guilty of a crime, your crime was written on the back or piece of, on the front of a piece of paper, and it was pounded and nailed to the door, and it says guilty of shoplifting, 30 years in prison. Jesus came, took that, Paid in full. Paid that. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. He paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. God's creation rest has been disturbed. The rest of the Old Testament Sabbath became unbearable for the burden for the people. But in Christ, we find rest is complete. And we have that for us. What a wonderful thing. That no man then therefore... Our rest is complete. Let no man then therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect to the holy day or of the new moon or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. We have this wonderful Calvary rest because of Jesus. Old Testament was a shadow of what's to come. Nobody can rightfully say to us now, you started a fire on the Sabbath day, you ought to be stoned. Or you took a, a Sabbath day's journey that was longer than three quarters of a mile, you ought to be punished. 
These things were a shadow. That was the covenant rest. The covenant rest between God and Israel. Only a shadow was to come. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, says Jesus. Calvary rest. What a glorious invitation. I am your rest, he says. I am now sitting at the right hand of the Father. My work is done. It is paid in full. So that's God's cure for restlessness. Now how about secondly, the Lord's day? We today celebrate the first day of the week as our day of rest and worship, not the seventh. And that's a very good question. Why do we do that? Well, you remember, you know, the day Christ burst the bonds asunder and up from the grave he arose. It was the first day of the week. And on the Lord's day, matter of fact, John says in Revelation 1.10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And they went to the tomb on the Lord's Day. Nine biblical reasons for celebrating the Lord's Day. We've already noted the first. He rose from the dead on the Lord's Day. So every day today, we are celebrating Easter. Easter Sunday, really. He met with the disciples, secondly, after the resurrection. On the first day of the week, John 20, 19 and 26. He appeared unto the disciples on the day of his resurrection, the first day of the week. Thirdly, the disciples were commissioned to preach the gospel on the first day of the week, John 20, 21. The Holy Spirit was also imparted to the apostles on the first day of the week, John 20, 22. The church was born on the first day of the week, Acts 2, 1. The book of Revelation of Jesus Christ was given on the first day of the week, Revelation 1, 10. The early church regularly met for worship on the First day of the week, Acts 20, verse 7. The church collected offerings on the first day of the week, Acts, uh, 1 Corinthians 16. And eternal, the Lord's day was instituted long before the law, Genesis 2, and continues long after the law is over. Remember, the first two chapters of Genesis we have set up for us. And I believe personally, we will have set for us the sixth day Seven days set aside for worship of God. Even throughout eternity, I believe we will be on a 360-day year, seven-day-a-week, etc., all the way through eternity. My personal feeling on that. If you can look from Scripture, the psalm, we'll continue on. I say, well, what about the New Jerusalem? There's no need for the sun in the New Jerusalem because the Lamb is the light. But outside of the New Jerusalem, I think the sun and moon are going to last for, for the new sun and moon for eternity. Now remember, the Sunday is not the last day of your weekend. Isn't it funny? Well, how was your weekend? Well, Saturday was good, but my week started great. My new week started great because I was in church yesterday and heard this and someone got saved at church yesterday. That's, this is the start of your week. This is not the end. Sunday night is like, oh man, the weekends are just too short. There needs to be a day between Sunday and Monday so we can catch up. I thought that we said that many times. Disciples met together to break bread, preach the word, observe the Lord's Supper, and collect offerings on the first day of the week. You cannot escape the way of biblical evidence. Our Lord has fulfilled the Old Testament Sabbath, and now we worship on the first day of the week. So those who go back and say, oh no, we are worshiping on the Sabbath like the Israelites did. You can't do it. It was given to them for that. It's not given to you today. Believe what God has done. You see, you see, if you start doing that, you're going to have all kinds of problems. And I think every single one that worship on the Sabbath has other doctrinal issues that just aren't right. It is the Lord's. It's a holy day. Why is it holy? Because it is His. It is a day of love, not illegalism. It usually brings up perhaps the question, well, pastor, does that mean it's not right to watch television on Sunday? Is it all right to go to a ball game on Sunday? Can we eat out? 
Hope so. Read the newspaper, play softball, go boating or go grocery shopping on Sunday. And those are all good questions. You're asking the wrong person. It's not my day. Ask the Lord about those things. Ask the Lord. Should I be doing that? I can tell you, I don't believe you'll ever go wrong putting the Lord first for the entire day. I really don't. I, I don't think you ever go wrong putting the Lord first in anything and everything. Put him first. Honor him. He will honor you. He will honor you. And by the way, perhaps you've hardened your heart and you no longer have a biblical discernment. Then ask somebody else at that point, well, should I be doing this? Well, if in doubt, don't. That's a very good, if in doubt, go. I, I, that's my visiting. If someone's in the hospital, I pretty much, if, if in doubt, should I go? Yes, go. Uh, if there's sometimes, there's, you know, I'm going to go. But, you know, if it's, if it, you think they would want to see me? Yeah, I think they probably should go. If, if there's something doubtful in your life, or some things you, 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 you don't need to pray about. We talked about a choir. I said, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll pray about you. There's some things you just don't need to pray about. You know it's the right thing to do. Then do those things. Three principles as we head toward the home stretch. To make this day a great day, Sundays, first of all, it's a holy day. The holy means to set aside or to be separate, uh, to honor God, separate ourselves from secular work, to do a spiritual work. If we rest from secular work to minister to God, we call it a worship service. Now, I understand there are some who have to work, have their job to keep their jobs. They have to work on Sundays. Maybe they can only make one service. We still should honor the Lord and do as much as we can to be in his house on Sundays. If that's something you have to do, perhaps pray for a job where you don't have to work on Sundays. That was one of my limitations, but it's a good limitation when looking for a job. I mean, I cannot, Wednesday night are out and Sundays are out. I mean, I just can't work those days. Okay, well, we don't, we need to find somebody else then. Because we need you to work that. They'll say, you know, I don't even apply for jobs where I have to do that. So the rest, from secular, we understand that. So we make family worship a priority on the Lord's day. And I believe you have done that tonight because you are here bringing your children, grandchildren, etc. Do you remember Mr. Cartoon? I think he's passed now, but he used to say, remember, do not send your church kids to church on Sunday. Get up and take them with you. I thought first, like, oh, what's he say? When he said, "Get up and take them with you." Jewel Huffman, I think, was his name. That Mr. Cartoon, Jewel Huffman. I watched him for years. One generation, it says in Psalm 145, shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. We are to praise God's work to our children and grandchildren. Look what God has done. I get a priority. Now, remember, we can't use excuses uh, to our boss. We might use for God. Remember, think about this. Think about saying to your boss tomorrow, or Tuesday, because you, you laid out of work. We call it laid out of work like you don't go. I didn't come to work yesterday because we had unexpected company. Boss, sir. <laughs> boss, I know I was, I was going to come to work, but I, I just got so tired. I slept in late yesterday morning. He says you can sleep in tomorrow morning and the next morning late as long as you like because you're not coming here to work anymore. I stayed up too late watching TV last night, to, and it made me late here today. Couldn't work today. And, boss, I'm sorry I didn't come to work yesterday, but things are pretty hectic around here, so my family decided we'd go to the beach. And I didn't come to work. Uh, you know, we would never offer those. Why are we offering them to God? When you get up and go to worship on the Lord's day, you are saying, God is important to me. My church is important to me. And your neighbors are watching, by the way. My neighbors watch me. Am I going to go to work? Am I going to go to church every Sunday morning? Well, I didn't go to church today. I'm, I'm, I've never heard them say that, but they are watching. Are you consistent? 
I like I told I said this last week. The quote was, "What people think of Jesus because of me is critical. What people think of Jesus because of me is critical." My brothers and sisters in Christ are important to me. What a wonderful message to send to your children. Don't wait, by the way, to put, get ready for Sunday. For Sunday morning, get started Saturday night. Iron your clothes, polish your shoes, buy some canned sweet rolls if you need, whatever it takes to get people up and going on Sunday morning. Do those kind of things. Prepare ahead of time. It's often harder to get ready, I believe, for Sunday school than school. We have to make plans. One lady finally said to her husband, "Had must have had several kids, she says, look, if you'll come in here and help get the kids ready, I'll go out and sit in the car and honk the horn. <laughs> Perhaps have nice breakfast on Sunday mornings. Have, and, and, this, and, and he says, have a, time of prayer service for the, have a time of prayer for the service. How many people in the world as families have a prayer for the services on Sunday morning before you get there? I bet you can probably count on one hand the people in the all state of Kentucky. Honestly, who had a family prayer together? If you can get families to eat supper together, that's, I mean, we always had, uh, we ate supper down in McGolfin County. We had a little breakfast nook just large enough for a round table and four people. And that's where we ate all of our meals and we ate together. Mom, oh, we're going to eat together. And Dad, come in, you know, we're all eating together. And we sat down and talked about whatever it was. That's a good thing. And I know you try, probably try to do it with your family. Good. Make it a special. So make it a holy day. Secondly, a healthy day. Not just worship, but rest as well. The Sabbath is a reminder that you are a human being, not a human doing. So there needs to be some rest. My wife and I pretty much have very much afternoon. And, and even someone texts me today, I'm sorry about your nap, but I need, you know, 2.30 to 3.30. Sunday afternoon, 2.30, 3.30. K-N-A-P. I know, I know it's NAP, but that's our nap time. But if you need something, you go ahead and text during that time. I, I don't I, really, but that we try to do that. We try to obey the rest part. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Six days. I find it interesting that during the French Revolution, they tried a, they tried to abolish the seven day work week, but the the people got so weakened they had to reestablish. It, the Soviet Union tried a 10-day work week. That also was a failure. God has designed mankind six days of work, one day of rest. And that's how mankind flourishes. It's, God has said it. The positive negative. Let's teach our children to work because it's a commandment. Not only it teaches them also to rest. There was a fellow who was uh, used to having his dad give him everything he wanted well, his dad finally got tired of it, and so one day when a boy wanted to go to get a Redbox movie, go to Redbox and rent a movie, he said, "Hey, Dad, can I have some money to go get me a, a click, a flick?" His dad said, "No, you can flop the mop, you can swish the dish, and you can spread the bed, but you cannot have money to go click a flick. Can't do it." Balance between industry and tranquility. Someone said, "If you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not quite as bright as you think you are, Pastor." I, I just can't get caught up. My ox keeps falling in the ditch, so to speak. Perhaps you need to kill the ox or fill up the ditch. One of the two. Pastor. Activity proves nothing. An ant is praised and a mosquito swatted. So activity proves nothing. A principle, not necessarily a rule, but a principle is this. You will do more in six days if you learn to rest one day than you'll do in seven days without rest. Pastor. 
In the same way, you'll have more money to spend with 90% and God as a partner than you'll have to spend if you spend it all on yourself. I really believe that as well. God will honor you for giving to him. A man who chops wood does not waste time sharpening his axe. There was a man who made his sons work in the cornfields. I remember George Gullion telling me different times that he would make his sons go out and work, work, work. And I remember, I think it was Kevin or, or, or Chris Juan telling me about it. But there's a man who had his sons go work in the cornfields while their friends spent time in the afternoon at the swimming hole having a good old time. Someone scolded the father and said, why do you make those boys work so hard? You don't need all that corn. The man said, well, I'm not raising corn. I'm raising boys. Amen. Raising boys. It's a holy day, a healthy day, and a happy day. Sunday now ought to be the happiest day of the week. I found that my cat will gripe and grump on Sundays just, but he's a cat. That's what he's supposed to do. He's a grumpy old cat. That's what they do, they gripe. It should not be me. I should not let his grumpiness come over to me, right? Right. It's a celebration. Every day of the Lord's Day, we're celebrating up from the grave he arose. It's a shame that we sing those songs pretty much only on Easter Sunday morning. Christ arose. Hallelujah, Christ arose. Why not reinstitute a tradition, some kind of old-fashioned Sunday dinner, perhaps, where the family gets together, or, or something, or Sunday evening after church, something where you get together as a family and talk about things. Remember, the Sabbath day was not a day of legalism that God gave to the Jews so long ago, but it's a day of liberty. He's given it to us to serve Him and to learn and to grow and to be refreshed with our fellow Christians, etc. He's come for us. He's come and given his life for us. The rest he offers. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. May this pastor, and may you who are listening, and may you who are listening live, may we all think about what this rest day is. May the rest day be the best day. It be the best day. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for the gift of the Sabbath day, the gift of the seventh day, the gift of specifically a rest day on the first day of the week. Lord, may, if, if, if no one else, may we as Christians show to the world that the first day of the week belongs to you. It is called the Lord's day when they were met together on the Lord's day. So Lord, may I, may all of us, Remember, that is your day. May we rejoice. May we be in your house. May we serve you on these wonderful rest days. And thank you, Lord, for them. We look forward to spending our eternity serving you. In Jesus' name I pray all this. Amen.